2: all right, it is just the mats here today, as you guys can see on Twitch and uh, YouTube. We are live. We are part of the Drive In Podcast Network. I keep forgetting to say that all the time at the beginning, so I did not forget to say that this time. Uh, we are proud to be part of that network. It's it's been a lot of fun so far, and I can't uh, I can't wait to see where it goes. Uh, this uh, for those of you watching live will uh, drop on the podcast audience in about a week. Uh, I will be on vacation, so we are going to do a couple episodes on Fridays here to make up for, for the podcasting audience. So if you guys are listening to this on a podcast you see seen the video for the AFC East on YouTube, that is because we are technically doing this early. So Matt, how are you doing today on this beautiful Friday?
1: Doing all right. Uh, they said today is supposed to be the hottest day. I, I've been watching because I know you're about to uh, come here and you were looking for some sweet relief. Right now, it only is forecasting out to next Friday. Uh, where it says it's supposed to drop down to 91, I'm, you know, I'm hoping we go back into the 80s and get some storms. We pulled a, a, a Texas last night and had a low-level moisture come in, so it was uh-huh. uh, the dew point was like 70 degrees this morning, which for Colorado is ridiculous. It felt like I was walking, I was swimming through the air, and it was like 75 when I first woke up this morning, and I thought this will not be spectacular.
2: Yeah, I'm not a. Uh, I'm not looking net forward to next week at all. I believe the uh, the low for next week in Texas is like 101, like every day. So uh, I was like, yeah, like we talked about, I yeah. was really hoping to go up there to like at least like 80 something. Colorado weather, like I was hoping for something, but you know, yeah, I'm yeah. sure it's uh, just with the the lack of humidity you guys have up there, it'll still feel at least a little bit better than it does down here in Texas. So I am yeah. I am definitely looking forward to it for sure. Uh, so as I mentioned at the top there, we're going to be doing the AFC East. As, uh, we, this is the beginning of it, so we're going to do the New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills, since it is just the two of us. I imagine we'll be able to get through this pretty quickly, so we'll kick it off with the New England Patriots. They finished 12-4 last year, obviously lost to the Tennessee Titans in the playoffs, as we all kind of – I think a lot of people were probably predicting it. I know I thought that they would lose to Tennessee. It seemed like it was – Kind of the the popular thing to do, uh, uh, but most overall touchdowns in twenty twenty. So I, I put overall because obviously Cam Newton does have pressure. that rushing upside. So more touchdown uh, in twenty twenty, Cam Newton or Tom Brady?
1: I'm going to go with Tom Brady. Um, you know, this isn't totally just a knock on Cam. I I think we've discussed before. Tom Brady wasn't the only problem with the New England offense last year. One of the reasons people thought Tennessee was going to win is. Defensively, the Patriots were really good throughout the season. Offensively, it was a struggle. A lot of questions about skill position players, a lot of questions on the offensive line. I'm not sure they totally answered all of those things. I mean, the fact that we're having trouble finding a decent spot to put James White and Sonny Michel, we even talked about receivers, you know, they have Mohamed Sanu, they have Edelman. We don't know if Nikhil Harry's ever going to show anything tight end a total question mark, there are plenty of question marks. New England could still have a good season and win a lot of games like seventeen fourteen or fourteen to ten if they can get that defense going. I think with the weapons in tampa bay it's it's not inconceivable to think, even if Brady is a step back from what they got with Winston last year, it's still going to be better situation. I mean he's got Evans Godwin, Ronald Jones, who apparently I was the highest on of all the people in the scott fishbowl
2: <laughs> yeah he i was actually thinking about taking him right or what so what round did you take him in just to jump off so i took him
1: at uh, 604 and our friend tony uh, pulled up the scott fishbowl stats and apparently there i am but see i think that kind of tells you there's a lot of differences in that league in the way leagues draft my league uh it seemed like they were just hammering running backs so by the time i went for ronald jones he was the twenty seventh or twenty eighth running back off the board in our draft. It just was at six hundred
2: four. Yeah, yeah. He, I think he went in like the ninth or tenth round in ours. As a matter of fact, Keyshawn Vaughn is still on the board, and I'm debating on taking him because I need some more running back help. But for yeah. the most part, agree with you. I do think Tom Brady is likely going to have um, a few more, just because as we're going to get into here. I, I mean, my God, New England, I, they. How they won twelve games last year, with the, with me looking at the roster they have, is is kind of just uh, I think a testament to how good Brady well, is at managing that offense and Bill is with that defense. Literally,
1: like I, last year mid year, my mid year fantasy MVP was the New England Patriots defense, and a lot of people yeah. thought I was being funny or whatever, but that New England Patriots defense was scoring their points, was destroying people. They were scoring at the rate you were getting from some quarterbacks those first eight games. And it was really kind of the fall off of the defense where you were like, Oh, this this team isn't very good.
2: Yeah. Well and I would almost say I cause I know we talked about it too, I think some of it had to do with the the step up in competition they also played yeah. in the second half, because they did play a lot of really bad opponents early on in the season. But yeah, it, it was definitely that defense that carried them early on. It was kind of a, uh, if you went up against the new England Patriots, defense in fantasy, probably those first, as you mentioned, seven to eight weeks, you were kind of pissed off because they were oh, scored. Yeah. It was like upwards of 20 points every single week. Like they were, yeah, just there was,
1: people. I think there was one game where they got into the forties because they scored like two or three touchdowns. It was, it was unbelievable. They, they were outscoring running backs and everything. Um, but see, that's the thing. That's the other thing that kind of makes me a little nervous when you talk about New England going into this season. They lost a lot of top defensive pieces that kind of went out in free agency too. So if their defense is a little less good, do they end up having to throw more? Does Cam – if Cam's back to his 2015 like physical form, he could be scary. I just don't think they're as good a team
2: yeah I, and that's kind of why I thought it, it, this will be I do think it'll be close I don't think it's gonna be something where Brady you know blows out Cam by like 15 to 20 touchdowns uh because one thing and and we'll, we'll get into it too later is I actually think you've obviously seen McDaniels up close with what he does calling offense and everything when he was there in Denver I know you're not a fan of I trust me neither am I I, I was happy that the, the Browns did not get him as as many of you know when we were going over that on the podcast but uh he he does seem to be able to tailor offenses very well to these guys. I mean, he made Jacoby yeah. Brissett uh, the reason teams wanted to trade for him. He made Tim Tebow look like a serviceable quarterback at times. Like, he knows how to get a quarterback out and run. And and I think it's fair to say Cam Newton's better than both of those. So we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Now, so the new additions they made this offseason Cam Newton, Marquise Lee, uh, Demir Bird, which I actually think he was on the team last year, if I'm remembering yeah, he, correctly now. Oh, no. okay.
1: Didn't he come from Arizona?
2: Maybe. I know he signed a one-year contract. Like, I was looking at that. I I
1: I think he was with Arizona.
2: Uh, But then they drafted two tight ends in the draft, Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene. Uh, They lost Philip Dorsett. They traded Gronk, and obviously Brady left in free agency. They're expiring contracts after this year. Sanu, White, Burkhead, Marquise Lee, and Cam Newton. Uh I didn't put Newton on here for the fantasy finishes because he only played two games. He was ahead like I think it was like 20 points. Like it wasn't really worth putting him on here. So I just kind of left him off. Uh, James-
1: was uh Demir Bird was with the Arizona last year.
2: Okay, gotcha. Uh so James White, RB18, 200.2 points. Sony Michelle, RB31, 152.6. Julian Edelman, wide receiver 7 with 256.3. And then Mohamed Sanu, wide receiver 58 with 124.1 points. Uh, Same reason why I left Nikhil Harry off as well. Same thing kind of with – he was hurt most of the year. Did not play much. Did have, obviously, a couple big games down the stretch.
1: Well, even Sanu's uh, fantasy points are mostly from his time with Atlanta because he really bottomed out when he came to New England.
2: So as we were just talking about before I mentioned this, McDaniels, uh, we've seen him design really good offenses for Brissett. I mean, I know um, I want to say it was the game against Houston in his first start where he ended up having like a 50-yard touchdown run for the Patriots, which obviously you never would have seen with Tom Brady behind center. But it's just McDaniels does a good job, I think, of tailoring offenses to what his players do. I think the one thing you can give McDaniels while, while I think we both agree he was not a good head coach for Denver. He seems to be a very good offensive play caller. So do you think that that works in Cam Newton's favor? Are you buying Cam Newton knowing that he is a better athlete than what Tebow and Brissett were when Daniels had them?
1: Well, I mean, you're talking about the team that that won 10 games with Matt Castle. So, I, you know, I think they've, they're have they good at using the personnel they have and having a scheme that's going to work. Um so I Cam Newton, if he's healthy, is still kind of an elite guy. So I, I don't think that's too bad of a a reach for them. You know, I think we all think that that's probably a better move than going straight to Stidham. But you never know. Uh, they they saw something they liked in him. They seemed uh, pretty comfortable going in that direction uh, up until a couple of weeks ago. So I think they're going to be competitive. Anyone that's just writing the Patriots off is making a mistake
2: yeah I agree with you and I do think they're going to find ways to to use Cam's you know running ability to their favor obviously I mean again Bill is arguably the best coach in NFL history I mean he's in the discussion if you don't want to make him the best Uh, and I do think McDaniels is going to help tailor that offense too I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't run as much because I do think There's almost kind of a direct correlation on why he's been injured as much as he has been the past couple of years with the way that he used to run the ball. Uh, But he's got a good enough arm, and and he's got guys like White Edelman there in the short area that we saw – man, his name just jumped out of my head – uh North Turner, when, when Cam Newton's best year, accuracy-wise, was when North Turner was there in Carolina. And that's what they did. They did a lot of short passes. Too. I think it was like Olsen at the time, obviously, because he was, was having a great year tied in. And CMC, and that's really kind of what vaulted Cam Newton into that MVP season. And they've got weapons around. Obviously, White is not... You know, CMC, but Edelman is a really good wide receiver, and White is good enough. I think that's what they're kind of going to aim Cam Newton for. And then, obviously, we saw the videos of Nikhil Harry and him working out already to kind of give him that big target deep.
1: Well, and you guys pointed out 2015 went to the Super Bowl MVP year. He did not have much around him. I think Jericho Cottry was one of his main receivers. They had Ted Ted Ginn. Yeah, so, I mean, this – isn't the worst set of scope position players cam has been paired with
2: and i think it's fair to say they probably have right, well no i think back then carolina did have a decent o-line it kind of seemed to yeah. progress worse over the past couple of years so and I, you know we, I, we, I don't think we can say how good new england's line is going to be obviously it wasn't good last year but they did have the injuries and everything so getting some of those guys back uh a lot of us thought they might move on from i, I want to say it's thune i can't i don't as everybody knows bad at saying names. But he's obviously looks like he's going to be with the Patriots for, for this year. So we, they've got an upgrade with the offensive. I don't remember who it was that got hurt last year, but he's coming back. So they've got a, a, a decent-looking offensive line, at least right now, uh, assuming health. Yeah, White, Michelle, Burkhead, and Damian Harris, who, who do you trust in 2020? Because, I mean, I, obviously I think the easy answer is White just because he, he's the one that brings you that PPR value but I do think that they're still going to rely heavily on the run. And there's just so much here. I, is there anyone that you can really buy into as a solid fantasy asset?
1: I don't know. You know, it surprises me when we were talking about positional finishes uh, for as bad as Sony Michelle looked at times last year, finishing as RB 31 kind of makes me uh, wonder a little bit. Uh, you know, we We think there's a possibility they're going to be a little bit more of a power running team if Cam ends up using his legs a little bit more or even just being kind of that running type quarterback. We've seen that be a boost to uh, running backs as well. Uh, I still like White. I think whenever you you write him off, he's going to end up kind of somewhere in that uh, middle to low end RB2 range uh, for PPR uh, for what he's able to do. Uh, But Michelle, Michelle is the question, you know, was it, is he not that good? Was it the offensive line? Was it the offensive scheme? You know, I think we still don't know because we kept waiting last year for that moment where we assumed he was going to turn it on and and just be the banger that we saw at the end of 2018. It never really happened, but he didn't have a terrible season um, and he got quite a bit of volume. I've seen a lot of comparisons uh, recently t- to the season David Montgomery has. And, you know, I don't think any of us was ready to write off Montgomery. We actually think, you know, with a little better efficiency on their offense, he could move into the RB2 category. I, it doesn't feel like we're making the same arguments for Michelle, and maybe we should be.
2: Yeah, I think it's just because Michelle looks so much worse. And and I agree with you, though. Like, and I think a lot of it, too, was you had a lot of people, myself, Dennis, included thought Sody Michelle was in for a huge year last year like we thought they were really going to rely on him run the ball a lot because of the lack of weapons on the outside for Brady it just didn't happen and some of that I do think was obviously Michelle suffered that injury early on in I think it was either preseason or training camps never really seemed to bounce back from that as we just talked about the offensive line issues like when you couple that all together That's not going to be good. I mean, teams, I think they knew how to play the Patriots going into because they were just in a way kind of limited with the weapons they had. I mean, we saw for the first time that I can really think of how frustrated Tom Brady was at times when they were trying to pass the ball. And it was just Edelman out there. And I mean, the fact that they gave up a second round pick to get Sanu, I think showed that they really knew that their passing game was in trouble. So if you other, if you, if us as fans noticed that I'm sure defenses did. So that might've played into Michelle as well, but I agree with you. Like the fact that he was, he still finished as a, as a middle tier RB three, and, and that's not bad. Obviously you, you likely in your dynasty drafts paid up for him. You you paid a very high first round pick to get him when he came out. But the fact that he returned that kind of value, I, I'm kind of with
1: you. So it looks like their offensive line. I'm, I'm pulling up their thing. If, if they're all healthy, it looks like, I think it was David Andrews that got injured that was their center last year. Uh, but I, I remember him him being guards. They have Shaq Mason and Joe Thune. Uh, looks like left tackle. I think it was Isaiah Wynn. They had taken a high draft yeah. pick. I believe he got injured yes, he uh, did. early nope. last year and came back toward the end that helped them a little bit and then right tackle Marcus Cannon. So, you know, if they can get guys to stay in, that doesn't seem...
2: No, that's that's a pretty good deep offensive line. I would say defensive line. That's a pretty good offensive line. Like I said, Thune was kind of my one coming into the offseason because there was a lot of talk that they may move from the fact that they're keeping him. I think it does. It makes them. It brings back that good offensive line. So I, I, the reason I'm kind of buying Sony and there's another guy too that I'll get into is because of just how cheap they are. And so we're obviously yeah. going to with the over or unders as well, but. An ADP of 98, he's he's the 33rd RB off the board. I mean, that's that's the eighth round. You're getting a guy who has easily mid to upper RB two upside, and you're getting him in the eighth round as the 33rd running back. And the other guy that I'm really in on is Harris. We saw a couple flashes of him last year. I do think they would not have come up and grabbed him when they did if they didn't believe in him as well. And I do think that if Sony Michelle doesn't perform, Damian Harris is the guy that they could lean on. Obviously white's going to be the guy, especially PPR wise, but Harris, I think could get the ball. I, I, I'm almost kind of, forgetting about Burkhead. I know he's going to come in. He's going to get that one or two games that just pisses you off if you own Michelle White or or Harris, if Harris is the guy yeah. because Burkett going to come in and, and bolster a couple touchdowns and everything. But I think for me, it's going to be White and Michelle, or if Michelle does falter, I think they will pivot to Harris, and it's going to be one of those two. And Harris, obviously, is a lot cheaper than every one of them, because he just didn't well, do anything last year.
1: And so Michelle, you know, he actually played in all 16 games last year. You know, I think we think about him being banged up, he was probably like you know, joined that long Patriots collection of perennially questionable players. I think they made jokes aside from opening week. Brady was questionable pretty much every game his last five or six years there. Michelle got 247 carries, a slight increase from his rookie year where he had 209, 912 yards, only a little less than only 19 yards less than what he had as a rookie and he got one more touchdown than his rookie year with seven. I think it's just the 3.7 yards per carry kind of came back and that definitely could be a product of scheme and line. And like you said, when teams, you know, I I think you could say the same thing about Lindsay, where his yards for, per carry dropped off and he had more carries, but slightly less yardage when you don't have the passing offense that is going to force the defense to, respect that everybody's up playing the run too and no and when your offensive line maybe isn't quite as it could be and everybody's up front it's hard to get those yards and grind them out
2: yeah and then I think that that's what's going to be interesting this year because I think the one wrinkle that's actually going to help out whoever the running back is going to be is Cam Newton because now these defense have to respect him running the ball as well even if he doesn't do it as much as like I just talked about like All it takes is that one or two big runs, and you know that, okay, now we're going to have a linebacker or a cornerback, someone kind of watching to see if he's going to make that move, and then that immediately gives that advantage then to those running backs as well. And I think that's going to be a big thing for them moving forward. Obviously, we trust Edelman. I mean, he's perennial been a top 12 wide receiver. Seems to get disrespected a lot. Really got disrespected this year, as you guys will see. Uh, He actually just went in the 12th round of the Scott Fishbowl in my league. I was trying to grab him, and he went the pick before me, which sucked. But uh, he's obviously going to be good. But outside of him, do you trust any of these other wide receivers, tight ends, to kind of be anything fantasy relevant uh, for 2020?
1: I think tight end at this point you kind of have to write it off. They drafted two or three guys at that position. Not sure who's going to emerge or how what level they'd emerge. And beyond that, I think they have what Matt Lacoste and not much else. So you know, I'm not going to. I'm not taking a Patriots tight end right now uh, as anything more than a taxi squad wish dream. Receivers, I'm not in on Sanu. I think he was. It was. No uh, no great loss for the for the Falcons to let him go last year. I'm not sure he fit real well. I know there's been a lot of hype for him lately because we've seen him working out with Cam. The one that interests me is Nikhil Harry. And I'm not going to go as far as to say I trust him. But this was a guy that was taken with the 31st pick in the first round of the draft. Last year, people, like, uh, you know, I took over an orphan team uh orphan dynasty team this year and i was looking to see why i didn't have a first round pick and it's because the guy traded his 20 21st and Cortland sutton to get up to 103 to take Nikhil harry last year yeah, yeah. that that broke my heart for many reasons yeah. yeah seeing that go out the door but i didn't make that trade i just had to live with it uh but i mean we forget the the value and i you know i've been doing this series for dynasty nerds looking at uh stock watch, you know, some of the 2019 rookies in different positions that had a lot of hype last year that one year later people are have kind of given up on. And Harry did not have much of an impressive year last year. We thought he couldn't have a better opportunity to come in. Patriots going, getting a first-round receiver, they must have seen something they liked. It was kind of a forgotten year. But I think all those potential things are still there for him, and now his ADP is like uh, wide receiver 57 Uh, in PPR uh, and 61, it's 58 in standard 57 in PPR, according to uh, fantasy pros right now. I think that's, that's a potential value, Uh, you know, with a, with a quarterback with another year in the system, you know, maybe he has a chance. So if you, if you're talking about, am I trusting anyone to start? No, but you know, I wasn't willing to give Harry away because I want to see what's potentially there. And if you can get him for cheap, that's a guy I'm taking a chance on because we're we're less than a year removed from a guy that had tons of hype going into the season for all these reasons that still exist.
2: Yeah, I mean, for anybody who's uh, been, you know, on listening to the show since last year, knows I, I was not a big Nikhil Harry guy. I, I, I like him. I've you know stated many times. I think he's got definitely wide receiver two upside. And that immediately means that I hate him just because, you know, he was the first wide receiver off the board. He went to the Patriots with the 31st pick, and so he's got to be the truth. And I I do think he's a really good wide receiver. I don't know how well he's going to fit in with Cam Newton. Um, He's more of a guy, uh, someone who watched a lot of college tape on him. I'm not sure that Newton can do this very well. Uh, He's not a guy who's going to beat you down the field. Uh, he's someone who's, who's more of the, like, catch back shoulder fades, kind of go up and contest catches and everything. I'm not sure that that plays in a Newton's game much. The one thing I will say is he was impressive in those couple games, though, when he came back. Like he, I know he had one good touchdown. He got robbed of a touchdown last year as well. There was that one um, – I can't remember yeah, if it was I'm in the around. end zone or he caught it on the sideline and then reached in, and, and it was a touchdown, and the referees called it a – incomplete passing that he stepped out of bounds, and the Patriots didn't have a challenge. And even yeah. I, someone who, who didn't like Nikhil Harry that much, was like, nah, that was a touchdown. And y'all screwed that kid.
1: Well, and he caught – so, you know, when he finally managed to get into the back half of the season, and kept up catching 12 total for 105 and a couple of touchdowns. I can't remember what game. It might have been that – was it the Philly game?
2: I want to say it was uh, – it may have been – on Dallas? It was – uh it was a I don't think it was an afternoon game. Was there any late games that they played at the end of the season? I don't know, because I was watching it and I don't typically watch Patriots games, so I want to say it was like Ooh. one of the only ones on TV at the time. Uh but I don't know. I like that that one I know was a it was a big game for them. Like they not yeah. necessarily needed to win it, but they were still in the hunt with Puff, Buffalo, I think, at that Maybe point. It was, and then uh, when they had
1: Kansas app- City
2: it may have been because I know a lot. All the Nikhil Harry truthers were kind of going crazy on Twitter. Yeah, because and, and they
1: lost sixteen twenty three to Kansas City. A touchdown would have made a big difference there.
2: And it, it, yeah, it was it was a big deal. So he looked good, and I'm with you. I think the 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 sad thing is Edelman is still more of a steal based on ADPs right now than yeah. Harry is, and he's a more proven player. Well, but I, I would
1: expect Edelman's ADP. To, I think Edelman's ADP yeah. fell into the toilet. Uh, because people were not sold on the Jarrett Stidham Brian Hoyer experience, I have seen his ticking up a little bit. Even doing these SFB drafts, you've seen people not afraid to to come up and take him back where you figure he should go.
2: Yeah, and, and I think obviously, to his age, hurts him a little bit with dynasty drafts. You know, do you want to count on him much longer? I mean, Harry is a. He's a worthwhile investment where you can get him now. Uh, Last year in ADPs uh, with any startups, I thought he was being way overdrafted. Because again, and I get it. He's got the draft. It's
1: overdrafting rookie season every year. Yeah,
2: it's, it's one of those things where... Again, uh, people think, like, I'm I'm trying to talk bad about this kid. I think he's no. got solid wide receiver to upside. That's not a bad thing. Not every wide receiver is going to be a top 12 wide receiver. We've got hundreds of wide receivers in the league, and only 12 of them can do it every single year. I just don't see that out of Harry. That's not a bad thing. To, for, to say he's got solid wide receiver to upside every year, I think, is a compliment. Uh, well, to I mean,
1: the- that would make him similar to Edelman. I don't think anybody's ever yeah. looked at Julian Edelman, so that dude's top 12 no matter what.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, he Edelman proves it, though, every year. But I think a lot of that, too, is the, is the PPR point of it, was he gets, like, eight catches a game, especially when he was with Brady, which that's where that's where things will be interesting with Edelman, because I don't know if he gets that this year.
1: Well, and that's what – so, to me, for Harry, if you're in a league, look for that owner that has essentially given up on him. You know, yeah. if I can get him for a late – you know, what I think is going to be a late second or a third-round pick, I'm adding him to my Dude. bench you know if i have him in the wide receiver four, five, six range i'm adding him to my bench
2: yeah i mean especially if you're if you're uh if you're trying to win it this year cuz he could contribute this year i mean if i if he could i just throw this out there I try and do a 2022 pick cuz this 2021 class i know i say it every year is going to be loaded but the one bad thing about this year is we don't even know what we're going to get college football i'm i'm so worried about what the future of everything's going to be right now so
1: well it's really interesting it seems like our best hope for fall production is that they're going to play intra division, you know, intra conference games. But the real scary thing to me is if they push off to spring, you know, I think a lot of the prospects we were expecting to see in the draft, I wouldn't play because I don't know that you can play that season role right into draft, right into an NFL off season. I mean, you'd essentially be, playing two seasons of football in a single year, two very competitive seasons of football in a single year, that's thats a tall ask.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I'm worried about. I've been paying attention a lot, to. Obviously, being a Buckeyes fan, I pay a lot of attention to the Big Ten, and they've talked about how they were the first ones to come out and announce, hey, we're only doing uh, conference games, so 10-game schedule. Uh, and a lot of that talk was uh, what they were saying Obviously, there's a lot of talk that Corona could spike back up in the fall time. And so they were talking about doing the division games or rival games right at the beginning of the season. And
1: then if it would be they, so I, weird to see Ohio State, Michigan week one,
2: I no, I would hate it. But I mean, I, at if least I you could, get to see it. Exactly. That's all I would care about. But they're talking about trying to get as many games in before if there's a possible shutdown and then saving the rest of the games for when spring started up and the playoffs. And that is where things would be interesting, right? Because I'm having a big talk with, again, uh, I've mentioned it before. If you guys don't follow him, Ray Garvin at Ray GQ, he's a great college football mind. Uh, You know, I'm in a couple chats with him and we've been talking about it. And and that's my thing is I don't know if a guy like Justin Fields is going to go back and play in the spring because of what you just mentioned. Like not only just the. the, Or Trevor
1: Lawrence, Travis ATN. I mean, ATN almost came out. Into this draft, I bet he thinks about yeah that decision should. yeah a lot now. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, no, if you're and and so there you have you know if if they do that, you would figure there's a lot of big time people that are the reason those kids those teams got to the playoffs. Yep, that might be like, hey, we can't do this. Would that end up being one of the most? Garbage college football playoffs. not to put demean well, anybody else, but I like you don't want to see a Super Bowl where both teams make it into the Super Bowl and lose six of their best players to injury or something along the way. And you're watching like Trevor Simeon against, yeah, whatever you can think of.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Nick Mullins, San Francisco, Tate. Made-
1: tate- Taysom Hill and Nick Mullins out there, you know, rolling I mean, I'd be happy because I'm Bill yeah. Truther, but No, I, Jeff, I, Jeff Driscoll and Nick Mullins out there playing for the Super Bowl.
2: That's, that's what's gonna be weird. And and it's you know, that's that's what we were talking about. It's like, so I I don't know. It would depend on the teams, obviously, because if it were say – You know, I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to remember who the four were last year because, man, I cannot remember. Clemson,
1: Ohio State, um, LSU, and Oklahoma.
2: So say it was the same four again. I I would not be surprised if you see most of the LSU guys go back because they don't have a lot of guys that are coming out this year. Jamar Chase probably wouldn't, their top wide receiver. But then – so you still got Miles Brennan who – he can come out this year, but he's not a household name. Not a lot of people are talking about him as a quarterback. So if he goes in and maybe shows, you're not going to have a borough type season, but if he continues and plays throughout the college playoffs, might improve his draft stock. Spencer Rattler for Oklahoma, he can't come out. So you might see a lot of those guys stay, but I would not be surprised at all. Cause it's not
1: even just the Clemson. Clemson is the one. Trevor figure They're going to be a top contender. Well, isn't that oh, yeah. where ATN is also? Yes. Yeah. I thought he was. Oh,
2: Got all their defensive players, like they've yeah. got a ton of players altogether. So, they're,
1: yeah, but they're a perennial. Or you know, if Alabama got in, Alabama's usually a team that has a lot of uh, pro prospects and don't, yeah. isn't waddle potentially yeah, coming waddle, out.
2: Devonta Smith can come out. Mac Jones is their Smith, quarterback.
1: Matt Jones. They've so I mean, all
2: defensive players. Yeah. Well, the, so that's my point. Is I feel like it's not even just that. Like you were just saying, moving into the season, my biggest thing would be just thinking of Jalen Smith for the Cowboys. Do you want to risk that serious injury right before your possible NFL yeah. draft? And the NFL has already come out and said they're not going to push the draft back. So there's no of them working with the NCAA. In it. So it's it's well, going to be that's a- the
1: thing when they were talking about a spring season. If per se they're not willing to move the the draft at all, the draft is typically. The end of April, if you started a spring season in post, you know, I would imagine if they're doing a spring season, they're starting it after after the Super Bowl, which from a football fan enjoyment season, you could almost essentially have two seasons that you could just, you know, you'd be we'd be headlong in every week show would be a college football roundup because it would be awesome from that standpoint. But if talking about like draft wise, so let's. Let's take the XFL as an example. The XFL was scheduled to have its championship game the Saturday or the Sunday, I think it was the Sunday, of draft weekend. No, of draft weekend. It would have been the same. You would have had the NFL draft for three days and then XFL championship. Well, if you replace XFL with college football, I I don't see how that works at all. And those guys are used to having – gaps between the end of the regular season and doing those bowls where they can kind of recover and put their teams together. And in terms of the college football playoff, you're used to playing the first round and then having a few weeks in between. So yeah. if they didn't start till end of February, you could reasonably see go until May or something. I get the NFL not wanting to move. We could end up with two or three. This is where my wife was like, well, is everything back to normal for sports next year? No, I think this is a two, three four-year oh, yeah. impact on professional college sports, just getting back into the rhythms and, and all these things. And that's, what's going to be interesting to watch.
2: Yeah. I think the only way the spring way works and we, we've obviously gone off on a huge tangent here. So I apologize about that. But uh, the only way the spring thing works, I think is if they're able to get, because most conferences, it's only going to be a 10 game schedule. So if they're able to say, get five or six games in before a shutdown, and then they're only doing five or four games in the spring, then the playoffs. And I would imagine if they're trying to get everything squeezed in, they won't do the layoff in between. The reason they do the layoff in between now is because they've got all oh, those bowl games. I, I would imagine there wouldn't be any bowl games. It'd be like, all right, whatever top four teams you are going to the playoffs, this is what you're going to do. But still, like we just talked about, I don't see the fields, Lawrence's ETNs wanting to do that because then you're, you're not at the combine. You're not doing any workouts. You're going to be in your technical, second half of your college football season, does a national championship mean that much to you or does that paycheck mean that much to you? And I can't fault them either way because, uh-huh. again, if you're playing actual games, well, yes, you have a chance to get hurt in practice. you got a bigger chance getting hurt if you got some 350-pound dude coming and smacking you in the mouth if you're Trevor Lawrence. And you
1: well, and that's an even bigger thing, I would think, for, like, Lawrence and ATN. They were on a team that won a national championship. So, I yeah. mean – not to say national championships aren't special, but you're talking about mortgaging your future for something you've you've done. You don't have anything you have to prove.
2: Yep. Yeah, that's why it's. It's definitely going to be interesting. Like I hope before we get back into the Patriots thing here, I, I hope that they're able to find a way to do it because it's not even just that I want to see college football because I do for very selfish reasons. I just love college football, but it's this. Something you just said, I think if there is no college football season, like this is already, with them going to conference schedules, is going to affect college football in a very big way. A lot of these lower-tier schools, like the MAC schools that were making a big deal, because uh, Big Ten plays a lot of MAC schools, and they get a ton of money. They get millions upon millions of dollars for playing those teams. They're losing out on that money. That money funds their entire athletic program. So you're going to see yeah. massive shifts in the college landscape, especially – if there is no college football season, I think they if I'm remembering correctly. It's like six schools altogether would like be able to financially support themselves if there was no college football season. Like that's how big college football is to a lot of these teams. So you so it would be a massive thing. And then that all be instead if there's not a way for it to be done safe for the players. And I do think that you shouldn't do it because it's not fair to ask these kids to do it because they aren't getting paid. The NFL is different. MLB, NBA, because you have the ability to opt out. I don't think that you can necessarily do that in a college game because I could definitely see a college coach being like, well, your scholarship's not guaranteed next year either, man. So if you don't play, and then that's where I think you could run into a lot of issues.
1: I thought, though, they said, uh, I thought the NCAA came out and said everyone's scholarship was going to be guaranteed this year, whether they played or not. But I guess you're talking about next year.
2: No, oh, no, no, they did. The issue with that is, is that um, they've said that they won't lose eligibility and that, that they can keep their scholarships. The problem with that is, and this is kind of I, – I addressed it, I think, with with Stoops and Ricky when we talked about it back when this all first started coming about months ago, is the is that is, they've already promised certain scholarships to freshmen that are, haven't even gotten it yet. They're coming in this year. So if you keep the older players, like say me and you are, are seniors that were supposed to be leaving – If you keep us, well, that takes away scholarships from the guys that were supposed to be getting them, the freshmen, and you'll have another freshman class coming in the year after that. So it it messes up unless they add scholarships on the programs, which I don't think the NCAA will do. You're, you're going to cause all kinds of issues when it comes because you're only allotted a certain amount of scholarships. You're going to have players that want to transfer out. It's, it's going to cause all kinds of issues. So I, I don't – and the one thing I hate about the way the NCAA did it as well is they didn't put any stipulations in either. It was like, oh, well, whatever the school wants to do, the school can do. And, and it's the same thing we've talked about with this whole corona thing. It's like we've had so many states just like, ah, the cities can do whatever that city wants to do. This city can do that. And, and it's just – it's fucked everything up. So. Let's talk about the Patriots now. We were talking about them; it seems like twenty-ish minutes ago. We kind of <laughs> got off on this whole thing. So, over/unders: Cam Newton, QB fifteen in twenty twenty.
1: I'm going to say over. I mean, I think he can still have a good season, but I'm I'm going to put him in the um, middle to low end QB two.
2: Yeah, so my, um, you know, I worry a little bit about his health too. I know we just haven't seen him out on the field, and again, weapons. Uh, I think 15 is probably right around where I would put him. Obviously, he kind of signed after we did our QB rankings. uh, So if I had to go one, I'd go over. Uh, He has an ADP of 221. Again, that'll probably rise now. This is taken before he really did any signing with – or before he signed with the Patriots. QB 28, uh, just before him, Dwayne Haskins, Tom Brady, and Teddy Bridgewater. Would you take him over any of those three?
1: I'm going to say – No, because see the thing is, it's great that he signed and I think he has an opportunity there, but he signed a one year incentive laden deal. I don't know that we can feel any more secure about what he is beyond this season uh, than we were before. And in the case of Brady, where he may not play another season, I still think he's better in 2020 uh, than Newton. So that's kind of that feels like the right spot for him.
2: Uh, I would take him over Brady because I do think at best Brady has two years left. I agree. He's probably going to be better this year. The one thing I'll say is if Newton does come out and prove that he's healthy and has a good year, there's a couple teams, for instance, one with a guy that will match actually two guys, on the, I don't know, actually, i would say the same thing. All three guys on the tier right behind him that all could be losing their quarterbacks or moving on from their quarterbacks that might be willing to sign Newton, and all three have cap room. And so those would be Big Ben, David Carr, not David Carr, Derek Carr, Derek Carr. and Phillip Rivers. And so that's the one thing is like, I already know you, we all know how much like Gruden's loved Newton when they've talked about all this stuff. Like, if he has a good season, there's a couple teams that have cap room that I think would go out and sign him. Now, Maybe the Patriots make the playoffs and a Super Bowl run and Newton wants to come back on a team friendly deal. I think the Patriots is kind of almost out of the question because of how bad their cap space is. Uh, but there's a couple teams Steelers are they don't have any kind of real backup. I mean, I like Jacob Eason, but if you're telling me if you're the Indianapolis Colts who are in their Super Bowl window, in my opinion, if you're like, hey, you're going to have Cam Newton or Jacob Eason moving forward. I'm taking Cam Newton without even thinking about it. So and I'm taking him over Brissett as well. So Newton is one guy that you're taking a gamble for sure. So if you want to take Brady, like you just said, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, you've got him for two years and Newton has – no secure future after this year. I would just take the gamble that if he stays healthy and has a good season, someone will take a gamble on him. And I just I like the talent, so I would take Newton over him. Uh, but that would be why I'd keep Haskins and Bridgewater over him because I know they're at least secure for a couple more years uh, with with their futures behind him. Big Ben and Cara Rivers, as I mentioned, would you take any of those three over Newton? I would take Ben. Okay. He would be the coin flip one for me. I just – I have so many worries about his elbow, like I do Newton's injuries, that I'm kind of – like for me it would just be however I guess I feel my team's going at that point would would be where I'd lean because – I just I'm like – about- I guess
1: – yeah, I mean both those guys have injury uh, concerns. Both, you know, you could worry about the future. I lean toward – I, I think Pittsburgh has – possibly a better defense right now and um I like their offensive Yeah. Yeah, they have I like their offensive pieces a little bit better. If I knew Newton, you know, was gonna have two or three more years, that would you know, I might take him over all six of those guys. It's just the unknown.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's that's kind of where it's like you're you're having like I said, you're having to guess if hey, if he has this well Oakland, or I keep saying Oakland, Las Vegas, has all of this cap room. Maybe they'd make a move for him. So, yeah, it's definitely a guessing game with new. Uh, James White, RB20 over under.
1: I'm going to say slight over because I think I had him like 24, 25.
2: I am going to go slight over as well. ADP of 127. He is the 43rd RB off the board, just ahead of. Lindsey, Antonio Gibson, and Marlon Mack. I would take him over Gibson and Mack, not Lindsey. What about you? Same. Just behind him, Howard, Pollard, and Breida. I Howard's interesting for me, but I think because of the PPR upside of White, I'd probably keep him over those three.
1: Yeah, I think I would too. You know, it's interesting because um, you referenced Gibson. I don't know if you – saw our friend uh, Nick Whalen's post about Gibson. I did not, I did not realize how few uh, carries he had. As oh, a running back. I have a lot of questions yeah. now, uh, you know, because I think his post was basically three people on his own team had more carries than him last year. Why do we assume he's going to be a great running back? And I was like, I don't know. Why do we?
2: Yeah, uh, he was used mostly as a wide receiver That's why, I remember, well we talked about
1: that Yeah, and I had him, I think I was the one That ranked him as yeah. a wide receiver Because
2: yeah. that's what they said he was Yep, yeah, it, it's gonna be uh, Interesting, that, that's that's Washington For you, I guess Well, wide
1: receivers seem like such a need for them too We digress but.
2: Yeah, Yeah, uh, well, I agree with you, that's what I said that. But hey, they listed him as a running back So that's what we have to rank him It doesn't matter what we think, that's what Washington decided to do all right, so Sony Michelle RB twenty five over or under?
1: I'm going to go over, um, but you know, if he ended up under, it wouldn't be the world's biggest surprise.
2: I'm actually going to go under on him and the next guy because of I, I think if Michelle stays healthy, I do think they're going to lean on him a lot, and I think he does have a little bit of a bounce back season this year. Uh, so I'm going to go under. ADP of 98.5, RB333 off the board. Just ahead of him, Carry On, Mostert, and Vaughn. I'd take him over Carry On. Mostert would be a coin flip for me. I would not take him over Vaughn. What about you? Yeah, I,
1: I'd probably take him over Carry On, and that's
2: it. Okay. Just behind him, Ingram, Rojo, and Madison. <sighs> Just to get in spirit uh, for my buddy Dennis since he's not here today. Depending on my team is built, I would probably take Ingram if I'm competing this year. Outside of that, I would not take any of them over Michelle. I'd still keep Michelle.
1: I can't believe you're making me do this. <laughs> I would take Ingram and uh, Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones. Hey, hey I, I apparently, thought, right. apparently, I I do take Ronald Jones according to the analytics. Yeah, the highest. Uh, I'm pretty I, sure Sony Michelle was there when I took Jones. At Scott Fish Bowl. Oh, That was who I was deciding between.
2: He's he's still there in mine in round twelve. I'm debating on taking him now. Um, Harris. uh So I have Harris's RB thirty with a caveat here, assuming that he ends up becoming the guy because of a Michelle injury or Michelle underperformance. So assuming Harris becomes the starting running back or splitting time with James White, do you think he has RB30 upside over or under? Over. I will go under assuming that Michelle is not there. Obviously, if Michelle is good, Harris is not going to come anywhere close to this. But uh, I,
1: I Andy, don't know why if, you're convinced that it won't be Rex Burkhead and James White. I'm
2: just – I'm not sold on Rex Burkhead. I think like – No one's ever
1: gonna, been sold on Rex Burkhead. Yeah, he's still there. Uh,
2: I just think he's going to have like one or two good games, and that's it. Uh, so ADP of 164.47. He's the 56th RB off the board, just ahead of him. Latavius Murray, Chase Edmonds, and Boston Scott. Would you take him over any of those three?
1: Uh, No.
2: I'd take him over Edmonds and Scott. Uh, Murray I'd probably hold on to because I know his value for sure with New Orleans, at least for this year. Uh, After Lynn Bowden, Rashad Penny, and Duke Johnson, you taking any of those three over Harrison?
1: I kind of like Lynn Bowden, so I would probably take him. I I think there's a chance he's a fun player for the Raiders, even though I don't care for the Raiders.
2: I know it's going to surprise some people. I'd take Duke. I'm actually starting to be kind of yeah. high on Duke.
1: Duke's not bad either, you know. Duke Duke doesn't get enough love, so I I probably would take Duke too.
2: Well, I mean, I love. I hated that the Browns traded Duke. I love yeah. Duke, John. Yeah, I, well, I, mean, I wanted I'm, him
1: to go to a better spot than. Yeah, I, well, I was like, oh, they traded him. Oh, they
2: traded. So here's him. the thing. Obviously, we've got a couple weeks before we get to the AFC South, but. I think Duke's kind of a sleeper. He's going really late, and if DJ doesn't, if DJ does not bounce back like some people think, Duke's all they have. And I know he's not a great inside runner, but he's still a really good receiver out of the backfield. He's the leading rusher at Miami, the mm-hmm. U that had guys like Emmett Smith. I,
1: there's Here's my like, bold prediction before we get to the Texans. Go ahead. A running back with the initials of D and J is going to lead the Texans in rushing.
2: Oh, bull take. Bull take. You tape. heard I it like here it.
1: first. You
2: heard
1: it here. <laughs> All right. So Julian Edelman,
2: wide receiver 11 in 2020. Over or under? Over. I am going to go under because he continues to do it, and I think he's got at least one more year. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a a, a top ten wide receiver again this year. ADP of 137.5. Again, we both agree that's going to start going up now that they signed Cam Newton. Wide receiver 61. Just before him, John Brown, Golden Tate, and Anthony Miller. Uh, would you take him over any of those three?
1: Hold on a second. I don't. Are you sure he was top ten last year?
2: Yeah, he was seven.
1: Oh yeah, he was. Oh.
2: Yeah, that's what I say. He always does it, and he never gets. And again, a lot of that though is because of Brady and how often he dumped off to him. But I think that. We saw a lot of that out of Cam Newton in Carolina. So I kind of think they're going to do the same thing here. I think he's still got at least one more year left. in him
1: after this, I I don't know. I want to believe in Anthony Miller, but we haven't seen it yet. So I probably would not take any of them over Edelman.
2: Okay. Uh, Yeah, same. I would take Edelman over all three. Uh, Right behind him, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, and Sammy Watkins. Uh, Would you take any of those three over him?
1: No. And I can't believe Sammy Watkins is even – being mentioned near Edelman's ADP, how the mighty
2: have fallen? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I am with you. I like Samuel, but I'd I, I keep Edelman, more proven. Uh, Nikhil Harry, wide receiver 24 in 2020, over or under? Over. I am going to go slight over. I don't think it's going to be much past 24, but I think he's going to be right around that range. ADP of 88.17, wide receiver 43 off the board. Just ahead of him, Brandon Cooks, Darius Slayton, and Deontay Johnson. Are you taking him over any of those three?
1: Uh, no, and it's interesting. So the ADP you got for him, he must be falling in ADP instead of rising after because on Fantasy Pros now, his ADP was 57.
2: Interesting. Well, so he was moving up then because he – oh, wait, ADP of 57? Yeah. Oh, okay. Wide, yeah. re,
1: wide receiver 57. Sorry. Oh, wide well, he's, receiver. oh,
2: he's wide receiver 43 on here, so he bumped up with Newton then. They've got he, him as wide receiver 43.
1: No, but I just looked while we were on the air. I'm saying he must be going the other way right
2: now. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Which is yeah. interesting.
1: I wonder if Sanu is going. I wonder if they're switching because of a Sanu. Home. Maybe.
2: I don't, I don't even think I pulled Sanu's because I don't think he's no. going to be relevant. But
1: so I, at, that, at that ADP, I would say – uh, Harry is less desirable to me. Okay. Uh, looking at all six of the people, because you're, you're about to name them behind him, I wouldn't take him over any of the people ahead of him, and I wouldn't take him over any of these people behind him either.
2: Yeah, uh, I, yeah I'm with you. As I say, I wouldn't take him over. Again, I feel bad saying that because everybody knows I don't – I'm necessarily am not a big fan of him. So, but, yeah, I'm with you on that. All right, so – Devin Asiasi, he's the guy that everybody loved, uh, that they drafted. They they seem to like him a lot, so tied in fifteen in twenty twenty, over or
1: under. Oh, over. You know, I just don't okay. I don't have a good feel
2: for that. ADP of two thirty, tied in thirty three off the board, just ahead of him. Olson, Disley, and Everett. You taking him over those three? Uh no. I might Olson just because I know Olsen's only got one year left, and obviously they they drafted. When did they draft Ossie? I can't remember. Is it was the third round, fourth round? So I mean, he, obviously he wasn't
1: even their top draft to tight end. They took Dalton Keene first. I no,
2: Keane went after him actually. Oh, I think. Right. Maybe I'm wrong. But they both got. They drafted. were like
1: within two picks of each other. Yeah, too, yeah, they both
2: that. got drafted in the third round. So, and, and that's my thing though is that Bill. Bill drafted him in the third round, so he obviously wants him. He must have seen something from I don't know much about Asi but, again, people I follow that I trust are really high on him, so I thought I'd throw him out here. Uh, after him, Rudolph, Albert O, and Uzoma. I, I would not take any of those three over him. As much as I love Albert O, he's in just a a, a bad situation when it comes to getting targets, I think, in Denver. So.
1: I don't think he's in as bad of a situation as you do. I would take Albert O.
2: All right, so the Buffalo Bills, 10-6 and six last year, uh, obviously had that great game against the Houston Texans and ended up, after taking the lead, losing on that uh, just ugh, ridiculous play by Deshaun Watson where he looked like he had gotten sacked, spins out, throws the ball down the field, just ridiculous. So has Allen proven to you that he can be a franchise quarterback?
1: I think so. I wasn't incredibly high on him uh, during that draft. That draft class, I was, you know, actually spent a good deal of time hoping he wasn't going to go to Denver. I think we saw he had some growing pains in, the, in his first year. Um, you know, missed some games, but you know that completion percentage. As Dennis, uh, if he was with us, would point out, you know, Josh Allen is not very accurate. Wasn't incredibly accurate in college, but to his credit, I think. We saw him be a a better quarterback in 2019. It was only his second year. He got his team into the playoffs. He seems to fit what they want to do. They're trying to build around him. They're trying to scheme around him. He's trying to take advantage of that. He is a rushing weapon, but we saw his you know his completion percentage went from fifty two point eight as a rookie up to fifty eight point eight. He had uh, over a thousand more yards, ten more touchdowns, and reduced his interceptions. Those are all uh, things that you have to praise if you're looking at a guy who's a quarterback. It was his second year; it's not a high volume passing offense. I think he's trending in the right way, and if you look at that kind of celebrated. Group of quarterbacks that came out. I, none of us are even rostering Josh Rosen. A lot of questions about Sam Darnold still, and here's Josh Allen just kind of plugging away, uh, doing what needs to be done. You know, we all we both think Baker's going to be better this year, but you know, I think Allen has has done well for Buffalo. And Buffalo's done well with him, and I think that's one of the reasons. To me, Buffalo is still a favorite going into uh, in the AFC East going into this season.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I, I'm with you. I th- obviously, he took a step forward from what we saw in his rookie season. I didn't see anything. Obviously, he did kind of falter in the second half of that game against Houston. First playoff game. I'm sorry, not everybody's going to go in there and beat Tom Brady or. Steve Young, Joe Montana, you know, it's just not, they're not every going to go in there and beat Patrick Mahomes. So he looked good though all year, had obviously a couple bad games in there, went 10 and six, but saw enough of a step forward from him last year that I don't see any reason. I think he's going to take a huge step back. So I'm with you. I think he's obviously the accuracy deep is an issue, but he does enough everywhere else. that I think he can still be a viable uh, franchise quarterback. So new additions, they traded for Stephon Diggs. Uh, they drafted uh, Zach Moss in the third round, Gabriel Davis in the fourth, Jake Fromm in the fifth, Isaiah Hodgins in the sixth. They lost Frank Gore, and their expiring contracts this year are Tyler Croft, TJ Yeldon, Gabriel Davis, and Isaiah McKenzie. Fantasy finishes, Allen finishes QB6 with 297.56 points. Singletary RB32 with 147.9 John Brown, wide receiver 20 with 219.8 points. Stephon Diggs, wide receiver 24, 212.1. All of that, obviously, with Minnesota. Cole Beasley, wide receiver 34, 184.8 points. And then Dawson Knox, tight end 32 with 79.7 points. If you own Devin Singletary, how worried are you about Zach Moss? And if you want to factor in what Josh Allen does as well, Josh Allen in that running game.
1: Yeah, see, there's the thing, you know, before they took Zach Moss, it seemed like uh, Singletary was going to be kind of a a winner in that standpoint uh, because he was going to get all the the chance to run and to do that work. Now he's splitting carries, uh, you know, whatever limited opportunities he might have had to get uh, looks at the goal line are probably completely removed because Josh Allen is still going to be their preferred goal linebacker I scored with nine rushing touchdowns last year. And now you have a bigger banger in Zach Moss. So it's kind of a bummer if Singletary, you'd like to say, you know, PPR will help him. But I, you know, I think as we're about to talk about, they're not a high volume passing offense. They have three receivers. They have a tight end. We're kind of interested in, and they have Singletary. There's no way from a purely passing standpoint that, that unless the Bills fundamentally change their approach, they can support all that.
2: Yeah, um, so I am obviously as well a little bit we've kind of talked about it even before they drafted Zach Moss. Like the fact that it seems like as you mentioned, Allen is their preferred goal line back is gonna hurt singletary. You're almost having to hope that he scores you know, on long runs, or if he's on like the fifteen or ten that he gets that carry and breaks a tackle or two and gets into the end zone. Otherwise, he's going to definitely see a a reduction. It's almost almost like CMC a couple of years ago. We saw Cam Newton boltering all those touchdowns from CMC after CMC was doing all that work to get down to the goal line, and then it was Cam Newton putting it in. So I still think Singletary is a, a very good running back, but I'm with you on that, and I agree on the the PPR side of it too, because I think a lot of those short passes are going to go probably to Beasley with what we saw last year or possibly not. So that kind of takes away from Singletary there as well. All, can all three wide receivers be relevant in Buffalo? We saw last year that Brown and Beasley both were for the most part. Now they bring over a guy like Stefan Diggs, who's going to be the one. So how many if you think can all three or how many do you think can be fantasy relevant in 2020?
1: I mean, to a certain extent, I think all three can. Um, I think we we have some kind of high hopes that Diggs will be the number one there. I think Diggs and Brown may hurt each other more than Diggs and Beasley. Um, I was really uh, kind of taken with that you know, in the consistency guide. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, talk about what, um, you know, Beasley being a good value. He's a guy I've been taking late kind of seeing him in there. But I think if, if they can manage to keep all three of those guys relevant, it's at the expense of Knox who we're going to talk about in a minute and Singletary. I just, there isn't, there isn't enough volume going around. And I think as it is with those receivers, whereas Brown and Beasley were pretty consistent as the two guys last year. I think when you throw Diggs into the mix, there's going to be less consistency, probably for Brown, uh, yep. You know where you have peaks and valleys. Probably Brown and Diggs might both have decent seasons, but be not incredibly reliable week to week as starters.
2: Yeah, I think that's – he's the one for me that I think is going to take a step back is Brown. Because I think him and Stefan Diggs' games are just so similar. And we – as much as I hate – because I like Diggs, we kind of saw the way that he was in Minnesota last year when he wasn't getting the ball enough. Is he going to be like that over here in Buffalo? If that's the case and they try and force him the ball some, I can see Brown missing out on some targets. I don't think it affects Beasley as much. Uh, And you're also not expecting that much out of Beasley. He's a wide receiver three, wide receiver four. And I think he's still going to produce that because of where he operates on the field. I think it affects Dawson Knox more. So we'll just move right into Dawson Knox. Is that because of getting Diggs and Brown and having Beasley, does that make Dawson Knox the odd man out?
1: Yeah, it's unfortunate. I like Knox, um, you know, and he's somebody I have rostered. But when you look... He was basically their starting tight end as a rookie last year, and still ended up, you know, that TE thirty-two range. He's a he's a high-end tight end three, especially with more receivers in the mix and with a ta- more talented running back in Singletary. I like Knox; he's going to have a few good games. I don't know that he's a reliable week-to-week starter. He's somebody I'm still keeping for depth. You know, I have. I actually have one team that, you know, will make you laugh where I have Hawkinson, Fant, and Knox. It's kind of exciting, but also, you know, Knox is like my break glass for emergency starter right now.
2: Yeah, he he was a guy that I was all in on to last year. I own him. Uh, in a lot of leagues and obviously I hope that he eventually uh, but I think kind of what we were just talking about it's almost going to be point when Beasley moves on from the team I think is when he might see that step up Cause he made a lot of really good plays last year it just, it's just it's too limited because they run the ball as much as they do and I think with that he's going to be the third or fourth option on every single play and I just don't think Allen as a quarterback gets to that point either. I think once Allen kind of goes one, two, maybe he gets to his third read. And if it's not there, he takes off. And so that almost all then eliminates Knox as well and possibly getting some uh, love here in the receiving game. And as I mentioned, had we not gone off on our, our college football tangent, this would have gone a lot quicker because we're already almost through the Buffalo Bills here. There's just really not much to talk about with them. Well, we know what their team is going to be. Now, so over-unders, uh, Q- Allen, QB8 in 2020.
1: I think I this not isn't QB8 where I had him.
2: Maybe. I don't know. He finished six last year. so
1: Yeah, and I thought he he'd be up in that. So I'll say slight over, you know, say like QB8 to 10 feels right to me.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go slide over as well because I'm th- hoping, uh, as a Singletary truther, as my name says right there, uh, that the touchdowns will come back a little bit and they'll go to Singletary. So that'll drop him a couple spots, but I, I don't think he falls out of the top ten. Uh, his ADP of 102.33, he is the eighth QB off the board. Just ahead of him, Wentz, Wilson, and Prescott. You taking him over any of those three? Nope. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Wentz, maybe, just because I love Allen's rushing upside, but I, I'd easily take Wilson and, God forgive me, Prescott over him for some reason.
1: Look, yeah, this is going to have to be painful for both of us. You had to admit you'd take Prescott. I had to talk about my love for Ronald Jones.
2: Hey, you know, I, I guess so, because I love me some Ronald Jones, and you, and you are a closet I know, captain, we've,
1: we've said. So. Spent- We've spent too much time together.
2: Yeah, that, that's the problem. It's, it's rubbing off on me, and I don't like it. I don't like talking about the Cowboys.
1: Hey, at least you don't have the record in the Scott Fishbowl for a highest, highest love true. for Ronald Jones. Well, you know what?
2: If Rojo ends up panning out, you'll be throwing that in everybody's face, though. So you've got that going for you, at least. Uh, just behind him at Baker, Burrow, and Tua, would you take any of those three over Allen?
1: No, not over Allen. I do like, do like Baker, though.
2: I like all three. Ba- I would. I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I would take Baker. Oh, you should. Of who I am. What's up?
1: Yeah. You, no, that's what I'm saying. You should.
2: Oh yeah, he's, that, he's your would, boy. I would take him. And as a matter of fact, I did. not it's got Fishbowl, Allen, and Baker were both available, and I took Baker. Uh, I would because it's Baker, and I'm a Browns fan. Um, you know, Burrow and two would be interesting because I love both of them. Uh, but I think my just. Allen's proven it, and so I'd probably stick with Allen in the long run over those two. Uh, Devin Singletary, RB22 in uh, 2020, overrun.
1: Slight over, I believe i had my 25.
2: I will go slight over as well. ADP of 58.5, RB23, just ahead of them, Montgomery, Gordon, and Gurley.
1: <sighs> I'd go over Gordon and Gurley. Uh,
2: man, that's so hard for me. Probably Gordon. Because I think he splits. We've already talked about how much I we both think he splits time with Lindsey. So Singletary, even though he's gonna lose out on touchdowns, I think is the guy. Gurley would be the coin toss for me. It would it would be based on it would be based on how my team is. If I need to win this yeah. year, I'm going Gurley because as we talked about, I think yet well. This will be a week after uh, Gurley. We all think he's just going to get the wheels run off him this year. So I think he's going to have a good 2020, uh, but long-term, I definitely want Singletary uh, just behind him, Bell, Chris Carson, and James Connor. Uh, I would not take any of those three over him.
1: Would you?
0: Uh,
1: no, probably not. But I would like to say, even though Dennis couldn't join us today, I feel like we represented him.
2: Yes, we've definitely represented him well today. Uh, Zach Mott, RB35 in 2020, over or under?
1: I'm going to say over.
2: I will go slight over as well. ADP of 112.83. He's the 37th RB off the board. Just ahead of him, Madison, Rojo, and Ingram. Would you take him over any of those three?
1: I'm going to take him over Madison because I, I feel like he, at least we know, has a defined role. If Cook ends up signing long-term, is Madison ever anything more than a handcuff?
2: So that would be the only reason I would take Madison is if I owned Cook, uh, just to make sure I have the handcuff. Outside of that, I am with you. I would, not, I would take him over Madison. Uh, just behind him, A.J. Dillon, Tariq Cohen, and Matt. Would you take any of those three over Moss?
1: I would take Cohen if I'm in PPR because, you know, I think we've talked about he he is a little underrated in that he seems to be getting eighty to a hundred targets a year.
2: Uh I would do Cohen and probably Dylan because I am very much sold on I don't think the Packers will pay Aaron Jones. I think Dylan is the future there, but I will admit you are taking you are taking a gamble if you do that because that's not guaranteed. Uh, but I kind of feel like you're taking a gamble on Mossy too. So I would well, think.
1: Well, Dylan, think, even this year, could have a complimentary role the same way we think Moss will.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, like I said, it, for me, I guess it would be just who you believe in more. I, obviously, there's some people out there who really believe in Moss. They, they'd easily take Moss. For me, it'd be Dylan and Cohen. Stefan Diggs, wide receiver 15 in 2020. Over or
1: under? I'm going to go over.
2: I will go. Yeah, I'm gonna go over as well, actually. Uh ADP of forty two point two three, wide receiver nineteen, DK Metcalf, Cooper Cup, and Cortland Sutton just ahead of them. Are you taking him over any of those three? I am not. I agree with you there. Uh Cup would be close, but I think just based on that offense, I'd probably still go cup. Uh just behind him, CeeDee Lamb, Keenan Allen, and DJ Chark. Are you taking any of those three over Diggs?
1: I would take Lamb and Allen.
2: I think I'd take all three. Uh, you know, Obviously, I love Allen. Uh, he's pr- more proven than Diggs. Love me Lamb and Chark, too. Uh, I think I'd probably end up taking all three.
1: I mean, it's not a stretch to think that wide receiver two in Dallas is going to be a higher score than wide receiver one in Buffalo.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. John Brown, wide receiver 28 in 2020, over or under? Over. I will go over as well. ADP one thirty seven. Wide receiver sixty. Just ahead of him, Golden Tate, Anthony Miller, and Paris Campbell. Are you taking him over any of those three?
1: Depending on the construction of my team, you know where I was going, I might take him over Campbell because that's not a not a sure. But but you know I think he and Tate may have similar roles on their team and. Sadly, I think Tate may be part of a better passing offense.
2: Yeah, uh, I would take him over Miller and Campbell. I'm I'm not sold on uh, you know. It's, I heard a lot of stuff today that it really seems like they're believing Mitch is still going to be the starter, and so I think that's bad news for Miller. Uh, so I, I would still go Brown just because of what he's proven. Uh, and what we talked about earlier, but I agree with you on Tate. Like I, I do I agree. I think he is on the better pass offense with the with the Giants with what they've gotten Daniel Jones. So uh, I would keep Tate ahead of him. Just behind him, Edelman and uh, Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel. Would you take any of those three over Brown?
1: Hundred percent taking Edelman over John Brown. You know, I think that's a reflection of the hate went too far. The problem I would say Robbie Anderson and Samuel have somewhat the same trouble that we have with Diggs Brown and Beasley in that it may not be the highest volume passing offense and how much do they cannibalize each other. So from that standpoint, Brown is a more been a more consistent wide receiver in his career. So I'm going to go with him because to me, it's unclear. You know, I think DJ Moore is definitely the top dude in Carolina. And beyond that, they signed Anderson for a reason, but they still have Samuel. And it's hard to tell who's going to end up where in the pecking order.
2: I don't know if I got that mosquito or not. I really hope I did. Um, I would possibly – obviously, Edelman's an easy, as you just said. Uh, Samuel, maybe. I've been all in on Samuel. I think he's going to have a huge year this year. So, I think he could be the future with Carolina there with DJ Moore. So, I I probably would go Samuel. Uh, Cole Beasley, wide receiver 35 in 2020, over or under?
1: I'm going to take the over.
2: I'm going to go slight under here. I think Beasley's going to take a little bit of a step up. Having having Diggs and Brown uh, on the outside, I think, is going to help him a little bit in the middle of the field. Uh, ADP of 225.67, wide receiver 96 off the board. Uh, just ahead of him, Marvin Sanu, Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, and Russell Gage. Pac-12 just announced they were only playing con- conference games as well. That I just dropped. Uh, so, uh, you, anyways, you're taking Beasley over any of those three.
1: Well, first I'll say I would imagine every conference, every one of the power conferences is going to follow suit because that's the only reasonable thing to expect. And I would take Beasley over all three of those guys because I think he's more proven. And I think you're talking about a collection of wide receiver three-ish. I mean, MVS, talk about one game a year where you're like, man, I wish I would have started him. And then 15 games a year where you're like, why is this guy on my team? Uh,
2: I am with you. Just channeling my inner Dennis here, uh, he would not take MVS over him, Novi. Or he would not take him over MVS because MVS has got to break out eventually, right? So uh, I would I would take him over all three. Break out
1: in the hives? Break
2: out yeah, in. He believes uh, it. he's been on that train. You got to give him credit for taking it off. I know. Him. And
1: because of him, I have a couple of shares of MVS. And I imagine there's going to be 15 games this year where I'm. Dennis! Yeah. You know, the old Newman? <laughs>
2: Uh, just after him, Justin Watson, Devin Funches, and Traquan Smith. I would not take any of those three over Beasley, would you
1: No. You know, and in fact the the Funches one, there there's the other guy, it's you know, him, MVS or Lazard. take your pick in the saddest competition in the history of time.
2: Hey, a lot of people believe in Lazard. He you know? he could be he could be the next best thing.
1: I believe he exists.
2: I mean he he does exist. Uh, you know, he's there. Uh, Ducks, Knox, Do- Dawson Knox, tied at 24, over or under? Over. Yeah, I, I have to go over, too, and that saddens me as much as I love the kid. Uh, ADP of 202.17, tied in 28 off the board, just ahead of him in Joku, Ebron, and Cook. You taking him over any of those three?
1: I'm definitely taking him over Ebron. Uh, you know, I'm not sold what his situation there is long-term or not, and I still think Knox has a decent prospect. And Joku's tough. Um, you know, obviously he requested that trade. If he ended up in a better situation, that could be instant value that we don't think we're going to see with Knox. But if he stays where he's at, you know, Knox is probably a better bet. So that one really is a coin flip about how you, th- you know, where you think Joku might go. At this point in time, I'm taking Knox. Uh,
2: I would take him over Ebron and Cook pretty easily. I think Cook's... Oh, he probably has a good year this year. I, I don't think he's with New Orleans much more after this, so uh, I would take him over them. Njoku, I'm a little bit different with you. I know me and Dennis are on the same boat here. I think if Njoku moves on, I agree with you. He's likely if he goes to a team that needs a tight end, instant value. But even if he stays with Cleveland, I think he's got a lot of upside. I think Austin Hooper is the better blocking tight end, and they're going to use Hooper a lot for that, which is going to free up Njoku to do some things on the offense because they are going to run a lot of two tight end sets. Uh, So I'd keep Njoku over Knox. Uh, After him, Adam Troutman, Gerald Everett, and Will Disley. You taking any of those three over Knox?
1: I mean, I'm tempted with Disley, but we just don't know about his health. So I'd probably keep Knox uh, where he's at Troutman potentially has interesting future. But at this point in time, I think Knox has a defined role on the team. So I'm sticking with him.
2: I agree. So that'll do it for the first part of the AFC East breakdown here. Uh, you guys will see another episode on Thursday this week. Uh, I can't tell you what it's going to be because I'm not 100 percent sure yet. So, as uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, we were, yeah, we uh, we we are de- we are pre-recording these as I will technically when this drops for the podcast audience be on vacation. So, I will uh, we will let you guys know eventually when those drop, but uh, I, I'm not sure what it's going to be exactly yet. So, thank you guys so much for listening, Matt. Thank you again for joining me today. Hope you have yourself a good week, and we will talk again soon. Yep. Stay cool.
0: Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your pop on red, you got your popcorn on red. I came like out the womb eyes already. And he's in the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me, God. Lead, lead. only oh, tackle the tacklers are forty yards. Who can make a play? I can. Come can make a play?